Hey, Graphic Audio fans. This is Production Manager Dwayne Beeman here with this week's Pick of the Week. This week's pick is William W. and J.A. Johnstone's Sean O'Brien Number 2, Manslaughter. Graphic Audio's favorite town tamer, Sean O'Brien, is back. On this adventure, Sean is summoned to the town of Broken Brittle to help out the town sheriff, Jeremiah Purdy, with a problem. That problem comes in the form of a villain named Bert Becker. Sean confronts Becker and promptly gets the stew beat out of him. But we all know in the Graphic Audio universe that an O'Brien never goes out like that. So after Sean licks his wounds and heals up, he confronts Becker once again, and this time he returns the favor and then some. But we discover that Becker is not the real enemy, but rather it's another bad guy named Thomas Clouston. Clouston is the man who is in charge of the outlaws that torment the great city of Broken Brittle. His grand plan is to get the Chinese community, who lives just outside of Broken Brittle, to work for him so he can overtake the city once and for all, while in the process, loot all the gold from out the hills. Can Sean help Sheriff Purdy and try to stop the onslaught that is coming? You're gonna have to get the book to find out. The dynamic duo of director Rose Supan and sound designer Johan Detweiler unleash their magic in bringing this latest Johnstone tale to life in graphic audio. The graphic audio bullpen gives an assist to this title with great acting performances from narrator Mort Shelby, Tim Getman, Steve Winall, Christopher Sheeran, David Coyne, Christopher Graybill, Evan Casey, and Laura C. Harris. So give this title a try. I'm sure you will enjoy it. Let's listen to a clip of Graphic Audio's production of Sean O'Brien number two, Manslaughter. Lit four and a half by lanterns, the wagon was a blazing target in the darkness. Its 14 occupants were packed so closely together that they had little room to deploy their weapons, and Clouston's riders fell on the men of broken bridle like the wrath of God. Madman though he was, the doctor had chosen his gunmen with care, raised and trained in the Texas tradition. To a man, they understood the ways of revolver fighting on horseback, and when they attacked the wagon, they were as hawks descending on doves. Clouston's riders attacked both flanks of the dray, raking it with a withering crossfire. They opened up as they rode past and then wheeled around and struck again, cramming themselves together as untrained men do under fire. The men in the wagon lost half their number in the first two volleys. Suddenly, the wood floor of the dray was awash in blood, and scarlet beads ticked through the slats onto the ground. The man in the driver's seat, a normally meek accountant named Lawson, was a dreadful sight. His lower jaw had been shot away, yet driven by some incredible force of will, he managed to turn the wagon around before he was blasted into the dirt. Another man took Lawson's place and urged the terrified team into a lumbering trot. The driver had handled the team before and he rammed the lurching dray into a narrow break between the trees, praying that he didn't shatter an axle. For a few moments, there was a respite from the constant heavy fire as Clouston's man slowed before funneling two abreast into the narrow clearing. Can we hold them off? Hell no! We got mostly dead men back here! Moonlight tangled in clouds of billowing dust and the dray was momentarily lost in amber darkness, the lanterns long since thrown over the side. A couple of men fired into the murk, scoring no hits. 
but a returning volley fire killed a man kneeling next to McPhee. Damn you, slow down! We have to surrender! Not this way! Go! Bullets split in the air around him, fired by men who had not made a sound since the attack began. McPhee tossed his rifle away and drew a colt from his waistband. Standing upright on the wagon bed was like balancing on the storm deck of a schooner in a Force 10 gale. But he held on to the back of the seat and he shoved the muzzle of his revolver into the back of the driver's neck. Stop this rig now or I kill you! You go to hell! McPhee wasn't bluffing. The driver fell forward in the seat, and McPhee snatched the reins from his lifeless hands and hauled the team to a shuddering halt. It was then, as the Percheron steamed in the morning chill and tossed their heads, that a 16-year-old orphan who went by the name Bobby Miller made his bid for freedom. The following dust cloud caught up with the wagon and shrouded for a moment. The boy dropped over the side and crawled into the brush. Small and skinny for his age, he was soon hidden under a thick cover of sage and wheatgrass. The riders harried the dray and kept up a steady fire. They'd lost two of their number, and that added fury to their bloodlust. After the lanterns had been thrown away in the crimson-seared darkness, three surviving broken bridle riflemen, two of them former soldiers, had calmly gotten in some lucky work with Winchesters. But now, all three lay dead. Before they were gunned down, one of the veterans had hit a third Clouston rider. But now, the assault ceased, and the riders drew rain around the wagon. Lou McPhee threw his cult away and raised his arms. Because of the dust and darkness, he saw nothing. I surrender! I'm unarmed! Bobby Miller tried to make himself even smaller, flattening himself against the ground. Scared, he kept his eyes on McPhee. If the man's surrender was accepted, he planned to give himself up. Time ticked slowly. Then a man with long gray hair astride a great horse appeared through the murk. He wore a cloak, and Bobby thought he carried himself nobly, like King Arthur in the picture books. Surely such a chivalrous figure would be merciful to his captured enemies. But then Bobby saw the man's bloody battle axe, and he became very afraid. The statuesque rider drew rein at the wagon. Uh, I, I surrender. Are you saying? I just want out of the fight. I'm done. There are wounded men here. The fight is over, yet you don't realize that it is. Ergo, you are completely insane and a danger to all of us. No, 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 I'm not. I, I just want to go home to my wife and kids. <sighs> that won't do. I will not release the mentally deranged back into the community. Lord God Almighty, how the souls of your victims would cry out to me for vengeance. <laughs> I, I, I'm a laborer. Liar! Who but an insane man would admit to being a common laborer? Come, stand before me in tribunal and I will render judgment both on your sanity and your wanton spiteful attack on my person. Don't, don't hurt me. Huddled in the brush, Bobby Miller pressed his face into the dirt, ashamed for Lou McPhee and his cowardice. Stand before me. McPhee climbed from the wagon and walked to his fate. <laughs> Unhitch the great horses, then kill all in the wagon, let none survive. A few minutes later, after the team was unhitched, Clouston's riders systematically and coldly shot both the dying 
and dead. If you enjoyed what you heard from the clip of Sean O'Brien number two, Manslaughter, you can purchase the title right here on our website, www.graphicaudio.net. You can purchase the title in all available download formats, MP3, M4B, and FLAC. It is also available in audio CD format. And you can listen to your downloads anytime, anywhere with our free Graphic Audio Access app, available for Apple and Android devices. Be back next week as I'll have another pick of the week for you. Until then, peace.